white sterile operating theater, he leaned in close to the anesthetized patient. His thin lips brushed up against the numb ear and whispered, I'm Dr. Yes, Sexy, and I'll be making you beautiful. His breath smelled vaguely of lilacs and vodka martinis. He looked down gingerly at the metal tray table and carefully picked up a scalpel. Nurse Vixen, get me a sponge, a bucket, and the box is labeled Extra Bits. Stat! Days later, John Perkins, formerly unconscious patient, awoke in a bright recovery room bed. He started as an overly anxious Dr. Yesexy wrung his latex gloved hands and stared as wildly as a sex offender in Disneyland. Was it a success, doctor? The doctor hissed and smiled. Everything's fine. Why don't you have a look under the sheet, eh? Wicked appendix, Scar. Chicks will dig it, I bet. John looked under the sheets and pushed them back over him as he looked up in disgust and shock. I... I have breasts, Mr. Perkins said with despair and confusion. He looked up at Dr. Yesexy. Beautiful breasts, Mr. Perkin. Mammary masterpieces. I'm especially proud of the slightly upturned nipples. Dr. Yesexy visibly licked his lips like a hungry wolf. I just needed my appendix out, you... you... Before you lavish my genius, you should wait until the finale, my fine friend. Finale, groaned Perkins. I have grafted a very exquisite vagina where your, well, where your asshole was. You what? I've had my way with it, purely for medical purposes. It's quite nice. You should be proud. John Perkins put his head in his hands and started to gently sob. Oh, Dr. Yesexy said, putting his hand softly on Mr. Perkins' shoulder. The test just came back. Congratulations. You're pregnant. Dr. Yesexy stared at the three-ring binder that served as his portfolio and groped his genitals fiercely. You'll see an exquisite job done on page three. He wanted a nose job. He passed the folder over the desk to the woman sitting opposite him. He watched for her reaction and never took his hand from his crotch. That, that isn't a nose, doctor. Yes, I told him it was free advertising of sorts, putting his new penis where his nose was. Did you have to make it so, um, big and crooked? I modeled him after God's Adam. Many people don't know that the world's first baby maker looked like. I myself have spent a small fortune collecting ancient stone carvings, prehistoric pornography, if you will. She sat in silence. So when can Nurse Vixen pencil you in? Dr. Yesexy sat in his office, looking at his lunch. He took apart his sandwich and gingerly fondled the slice of artificial bologna. He split it with his thin fingers and looked through the slit. He suddenly sat bolt upright and pressed down on the intercom. Nurse Vixen, call Mr. Smith right away. Tell him we've just got an opening for that sinus procedure he needs. Dr. Yesexy sat back in his chair. They said an asshole didn't need teeth and laughed. I'll show them. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. Dr. Yesexy kneeled down and politely stroked her warm skin. His eyes, wild and buggy, looked at her face, to her chest, and back to her face. His thin, cruel lips smiled before they joined hers. One hand delicately stroked her head, as the other seemed to violently move of its own accord down the front of his pants. Among the crowd, gasps of horror erupted. He looked up, eyes half open, lost in a hazy fantasy. Around him, Tommy Jones' tenth birthday party abruptly stopped. Dr. Yesexy picked up his lim limbless CPR dummy. And that, children, is how you perform a, uh, <laughs> oral exam. Dr. Yesexy looked down at the unconscious Mr. Jenkins and wondered. He took a deep drag of his cigarette and dropped it with a definitive hiss inside his patient. 
Dr. Yasexi wondered greatly to himself why a priest would ask for a vasectomy. He smiled at the thought of pregnant nuns. Dr. Yesexy wondered why Jesus needed Mr. Jenkins' balls. Then he decided that Mr. Jenkins needed them more than the Lord if he was to repopulate the winning number of God babies. Nurse Vixen, I need forceps, masking tape, and three extra baby makers. This man will truly appreciate having the extra daddy paste dispensers. He will. I've made your balls like the Grinch's heart. You've made them three times bigger, hopefully guessed Mr. Drake. No, Dr. Yesexy replied casually, licking his lips like a starving dog. Voiced by Boris Karloff. Tiny speakers where your kidneys used to be. How will I pee? The suddenly confused Mr. Drake expectorated his words harshly, now wondering what exactly the speakers would reply. Not urine or the juice of the berry of Eden will you go when you go with the blood of heathens, chimed Boris. Out of somewhere, the thick baritone echoed ominously through the operating theater. Well, sir, Dr. Yesexy said, pulling away his OR scrubs to reveal a blank fishnet shirt with the nipples cut out. I'd say your kidneys have spoken for themselves. But I don't want to pee the blood of the faithless, weakly whined Drake. Then you shouldn't have been penciled in as a 9 a.m., shortly retorted Dr. Yesexy as he exited with his very expensive human-skinned golf bag. What I'm saying, doctor... Are you not happy? The way I see it, your husband is very content with the procedure as it stands. That's because he found two porn starlets to... to pleasure him, she choked out. I don't even know how you could bifurcate a penis, she said, punctuated by a jagged sob. And that is why I'm suing you for malpractice. Dr. Yesexy stared down blankly at his desk, as she got up and walked out of his office unceremoniously. After a moment, Dr. Yesexy pressed the sole button on the sleek black intercom box. Nurse Vixen... Do we still have Judge Fallon's number on file? A moment of awkward silence, then. Yes, Doctor. Yes, we certainly do. Good. The judge owes us for that discreet operation for turning him into a, um, whatever the opposite of a hermaphrodite is. Judge Fallon could see the bulge of his crotch even under the heavy black robe. The subtly placed ball bearings under the skin had had a startling and definite effect on his wife and his self-confidence. Money well spent, he thought, as he... Stifled a nervous laugh. On the stand, Paula Dumont told the court how Dr. Yesexy had destroyed her marriage by destroying her husband's penis. Dr. Yesexy was wearing his surgeon's togs and a wry smile. His hands were placed neatly in front of him on the table. He was thinking about the double bypass operation later, and if a man could menstruate. Mr. Dumont sat in an uncomfortable wooden bench behind the doctor. He looked Serious, despite the fantasies his bifurcated member had opened up to him and were currently cycling through his head. And that, Your Honor, is why I demand punitive damages for emotional distress and grounds for revocation of the, uh, doctor's medical license. The judge shifted in his seat. He cast a confused look at Miss Dumont and then cut his glance to Yes Sexy. He tried not to smile. Doctor, how do you address these allegations? Dr. Yes Sexy stood up languidly to address the court and the charges of malpractice. It seemed to him that Miss Dumont would be happy to have a husband with a two-headed cock. It appeared as if the doctor was wrong. Miss Dumont was prissily poised and seated at the table next to Yesexy's. Judge Fallon, where the doctor's former and oddly satisfied patients, looked down at him with concern. Look, Dr. Yesexy started, hoping to keep things like he liked them, informal and freakishly upbeat. Look, Your Honor, the amazing new man that is Mr. Dumont, and that sad thing there that keeps yelling obscenities at me, like it was Easter or something. 
I do indeed intend to challenge these erroneous and specious allegations. The Dumonts leaned forward in unison. The judge rolled his eyes. But I have to be in surgery. A man needs help with his heart, and I must see if he can bleed from his love parts, like a woman. Dr. Yesexy reached into his tog's pocket and pulled out his oversized black goggles and shook them violently about. These are for the blood, I assure you. You should listen to me. I know what I'm talking about. I am a doctor, after all. The slam of the courtroom's door were accompanied by Mr. Dumont gasping, Judge Fallon giggling to himself, and a soft sobbing from Miss Dumont. Mr. Dumont walked around the court barrier that divided the common area from the courtroom proper. He silently padded behind his estranged wife and cautiously put his arm around her. She started as an unexpected gesture, but she was too emotionally drained to recoil with disgust. Damn you, Roger. I found a lump on my breast. I know a great doctor you should see. Weeks later, as Paula Dumont opened her eyes and blinked away the fogginess of the anesthetics, she saw her husband's face of hopeful concern and Dr. Yesexy's toothy grin of madness and sick pride. Your boob death is all gone. Also, you have a reverse funnel, is what the internet calls it. Dr. Yesexy turned to face Roger. You may now kiss the bride. The cheap whiskey on his breath smelled like old nail polish. Dr. Yesexy wrung his gloved hands. The PVC grinding against itself was a sound opposite of seductive. I was watching Junior on the Netflix. What does that have to do with my colonoscopy? Asked a drug-addled Mr. Moreno. You had ass death, Mr. Moreno. Rectal cancer, in medical terms. Dr. Yesexy laughed like Tom Waits choking on hot asphalt. C-cancer? The defeated tones echoed in the hospital's surgical recovery room. Yes, but your ass death is gone. Mr. Moreno started to smile, but a soft mewling that came from under his bed sheet twisted his mouth with confusion. What was that? murmured Mr. Moreno, weakly. Dr. Yesexy leaned in closer, running his tongue over his teeth like a hungry dog, finding a steak. That was the sound of, well, that was the sound of your butt crying. Mr. Moreno's jaw worked up and down, making yes, Dr. Yesexy suddenly yearn for sushi. Whatever words were trying to escape from Mr. Moreno were indeedly be trapped in his throat. I had to take some amount of your guts out with the tumor. I had to replace them with something else, you see. Nurse Vixen suggested those wretched things might finally have use outside of firewood. Wuh, 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 was all that fell out of Mr. Moreno. Cats. You put cats in me? Why, yes. It seemed like a good idea at the time. And now, with your surgery a success, I'm rebelled to say it was a fantastic idea. I may give, give Nurse Vixen a raise. As Dr. Yesexy turned away from his satisfied patient, he couldn't tell if that new sound was Moreno crying or his lower large intestine needing a saucer of milk. Dr. Yesexy giggled as he made his way to the next recovery patient. That was the Dr. Yesexy collection. My name is Doug, and this is Mr. Wright. Dr. Yesexy was part of um, these three characters I was writing. Um, I think I've talked about it on... Mr. Wright before, um, I was going to end up collecting them all into a, a collection called uh, Three Car Pileup. But Dr. Yes Sexy, Filibuster Vigilance, and Mad Jack Stark were these three characters that I used to explore voices. And that's what we're going to be talking about today. Exploring voices. Basically, once in a great while, um, I'll have an idea for a character where I may not have anything long form planned for it. Dr. Yes Sexy was never meant to be long form. He was meant to be Obviously, two to three paragraphs, or um, slightly longer in terms of when I got into the mistrial 
uh, which was a three-part series that was uh, near the end of the Dr. Yes Sexy collection, where I just really wanted to um, explore the character themselves and see if I could hear their voice in my head and get it down and locked, locked up and locked down. Um, I said down too many times, I'm sorry. Uh, locked up, um, so I'd be able to write it consistently. Now, writing voices goes along many things. One, it's how they talk. Do they have a big vocabulary? Do they have a small vocabulary? Do they talk mostly in grunts? I actually have a character in a piece you're going to hear eventually when I talk about world building, where the first three words, first two words he says are curse words, and that lays out the character. His first three words, I think, are shit, fuck, and drink. Um, and I did that on purpose to line up that character, which you'll get to meet him later on when I get to the world building episode. But, uh, Dr. Yes Sexy, I mean, the fact that he always smiled like a hungry dog or a wolf informed me, you know, that he should move in a lupine fashion, that he would kind of always be grinning very toothily and um, hiss uh, once in a while and kind of always have a, you know, almost like a, a, a low growl to his voice. Um, he would be erudite, he would be articulate, being that he is a quote-unquote doctor. He is actually a medical doctor. Uh, Dr. Yes Sexy, I've described people as a mad scientist, plastic surgeon. Plastic surgery, they, they go to school. So Dr. Yes Sexy is an actual doctor, um, unlike Dr. Doom, who is not. But that is a whole other story. So I knew that he was going to be articulate. Um, I also knew that he would be very casual and have his own way of describing things, and you hear that in the... Uh, I think the last piece of that collection where he talks about ass death. Oh, and in the misread when it says boob death um, instead of cancer. He would have his own way of looking at the medical jargon and make it uniquely his own. And that was part of his voice. When I read some filibuster vigilance, I think I might have some coming up. He was very bombastic. He didn't have a big vocabulary. Um, and he had a bit of an accent, which now I'm getting into accents. I think the two best books I've ever read that explore accents have got to be Nick Cave's The Ass Saw the Angel and Garth Ennis and Steve Dillon's Preacher. The Ass Saw the Angel by Nick Cave, who is a fantastic writer and a fantastic musician. Um, I cannot highly recommend Nick Cave and the Bad Seeds enough. His lyrics are, are just short stories um, set to music. Um, there's a great album called Murder Ballads. And each one is this dark, sticky tale of, of murder. So, I mean, if, if you're looking for people, like I've mentioned Blake Schwarzenbach in terms of lyricists, him and Nick Cave, definitely at the top of my list to listen to and dissect them as literature, short form. Um, look at them, look at their lyrics as stories, not as outright lyrics. The Ass of the Angels, written in this very deep southern drawl of the dim-witted, uh, protagonist whose name I suddenly can't think of off the top of my head. Unfortunately, it's been years since I've read the book. You kind of have to slam through like the first 10 pages to really get a handle on it because it is such a thick accent and it's written in accent. I thought of another really good book to recommend after this. Um, as well as Garth Ennis and Steve Dillon's graphic novel series Preacher, which is now shown on AMC, but if you read the comic... It's written phonetically in terms of Jesse Custer's southern accent and uh, Cassidy's Irish accent, at which point um, in the comic, Jesse saves Cassidy from the grail. I'm not going to get into spoilers on this, but they actually start breaking down um, how to dissect accents, which Garth Ennis and I and tons of writers 
um, not all of them though, do have an ear for accents and mimicry. And that, well, while natural talent, you can go to certain places or travel and just sit and listen and try just very, you know, nonchalantly listening to how people talk and try to write their accent. Is it um, a southern lilt or a southern accent? Is it a Scottish bruge? A brogue, sorry. You know, is it the more nasally way that the Irish speak through their nose? Is it something more lyrical like French or Italian? Is it hard sounding like Russian or German? Is it broken English? Uh, which leads me to the book I actually just thought of that I should recommend as well called Pygmy by Chuck Palahniuk. I know I've mentioned Palahniuk on the show before as a huge influence, I believe, in the episode Hero Worship, if you want to listen to me talk more about that. But Pygmy is about this, it's implied, uh, North Korean spy who is sent to the U.S. to infiltrate under the guise of a foreign exchange student. And not only is his perspective different and a great voice because he's looking at the American culture from an outsider's point of view, which is a running theme through 99% of Chuck Palahniuk's books, but also that he thinks and speaks in broken English because it's not his first language. And that's another thing that I don't know how Polnick came up with the exact syntax, but you, it's that voice is very specific to that character, the operative. I can't remember what number he was, but it, he's referred to as operative number. These are things you can do to experiment with voice, learn, you know, try to hone your mimicry skills in terms of accents and voices. And like I said, just free writing characters like I did with Dr. Yes Sexy and Filibuster Vigilance and Mad Jack Stark, just to kind of get a handle on, you know, maybe writing a character outside of your comfort zone, or like I said, just trying to plumb the depths of this specific character and their psychology and their verbiage, how they would talk, when they would talk. That's another important one, when they would talk. Some characters speak volumes with their silence. Uh, you see that in a lot of, like, a big brooding guy in book, uh, but is secretly a philosopher or some kind of creative or holds the key to the protagonist's quest. You see that in a lot. I can't think of a lot off the top of my head, but it, it is a trope you can see. Look for it. So that's how to write. Here, That's some advice on how to write about voices, for voices, how to do it. Uh, how to hone your skills, how to make them better. And that's what we're all trying to be, is better writers. So I'm Doug, this has been Mr. Write, and remember, you keep writing, they'll keep reading. Right on. If you like this, check out some of our other shows, such as No Applause, Just the Clap, Damn, Exotic Liability, and others at www.bacnpodcast.com or by searching for BACN on iTunes and Stitcher. Yeah.